Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the Battlefield of Life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 33, all the threes, three and three, you and me, episode 33, 33, 33 episodes, eh, well 32, and this is the 33rd of the Battlefield show, Um, you know as always welcome to any new uh, Battlefield Army members may, we may have listening for the very first time. Why is it every single time I start recording, I get an itchy nose? What does that mean? Answers in a postcard. Right, episode 33. How the fuck have you been? If it's the first time that you have joined us, then you're a fucking fool because you've missed loads. But welcome. Welcome to the Revolution and the Battlefield Army. Available on every single podcast player, whoever you are listening, you may even be watching on YouTube to the video podcast, however you consume the Battlefield Show, subscribe, you daft bastards, hit the subscribe button, follow the YouTube channel, and enjoy everything that the Battlefield Show has to offer. And if you would like some extra content, rather than the, the one episode a week that you get for free, for nada, 
you know? Sitting in the house in lockdown. God, one one episode a week's not enough. Well, you can get a second episode every single week by becoming a Patreon. Join the Battlefield Army. Head to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. That's patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Sign up. You'll get eight episodes a month plus comedy albums and a whole load of other goodies. Fucking do that now. Right, episode 33. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're safe. Hope you're surviving. It looks as if we're getting closer to being released from the uh, test tube that is COVID-19. Another week in lockdown. Another week slowly but steadily, like a grain of sand dripping through time, descending towards complete and utter mental breakdowns. Eh? How many of us have lost it in the last three months? How many of you are now realising that your children are arseholes? Be honest, show of hands. How many at the start of this lockdown thought, do you know what, I've got a great wee life. Mrs. is wonderful, the winds are great, I've got a lovely wee house. And then fast forward three months when you've been stuck with those bastards every single day. You start to reevaluate life and you're going, hey, maybe I should head off. You know, to outer Mongolia, join a tribe, raise cattle on the land. Oddly, here's the weird thing, right? Even though lockdown has forced us into this kind of solitary confinement, I I am in a strange way seeking that further, if that makes sense. Like, my uh, my daydreams, my, my fleets of fancy, right? Uh, are not, I never really have been like, you know, being in a city or being being congested. It's, it's more like, you know, a cabin in the woods in the middle of fucking nowhere. That's more, and I, I don't know what that says about my, about my psyche, you know. But, uh, yes, England, um, who, like the, the petulant child they are, led by Bo Jangles, is, uh, is probably about two weeks ahead of us. Uh, Sturgeon uh, is adopting the now a fearless leader. I would never question, never question Nicola, and uh, in her decision making process, but she's adopting the more the more careful uh, mother matriarchal role with regards to lockdown. Whereas Bojangles is out carefree like a single father, going fuck it, open pre mark, fuck him. So we remain. Uh, locked in, north of the border, uh, eagerly peeking over the fence as our English brethren um, protect statues and head back to John Lewis. Although, I don't imagine those two groups shall ever meet. We'll go on to the statue chat in a minute. Um, sometimes it feels like it has has not been a week since we last spoke. And then other times it feels like it has been an eternity. This is one of those weeks where it feels like it's been a long time since I last um, recorded an episode and spoke to you. But um, yes, another week in lockdown, man. We slowly plow on. I think the biggest thing for me is I I am realising how much I need um, stand-up. I, I think I've tried to convince myself that 
at the start of this, I um, I was taking it as an opportunity for, for a break, right? Because he, here's here's the thing about being, you know, and, and some of you will, will be able to relate, even if you're not, um, even if you're not performers. If you are self-employed, I, I have not had a holiday, um, like a proper, a big holiday for, for quite some time. And even, even in the last, say, God, eight years, I've maybe only been in two holidays. Now, again, through choice, not it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, but my point in it being is that when you're self-employed, you... You work when you can, right? And you take the work. And there's also a part of you that feels, if if you're no, well, the truth is, if you're no working, you're no earning. Perfect example of the fucking shitstorm we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, so there will be times of the year where you tend to try and get a holiday because the industry in the UK or comedy in the UK kind of slows down. Turn of the year, um, towards the end of July, just before the fringe. Uh, that kind of thing. So. I, I suppose I never have stopped um, working, really, for the last, you know, solidly for the last five, six years. Uh, every weekend, up and down the country, whether it be touring, whether it be clubs, whether it be festivals, whatever it be. So there was a part of me that, at the start of this, kind of welcomed the break, if you like, you know. And... I think because there's there's not been an, an end date from the start has been the hardest thing to kind of fall into holiday mode because we've had to hustle, you know, I've had to hustle more than I ever have done before in order to simply survive. Um, and I, um, I never realised just how much... I've never been one of these acts, and I, and I, I am not now, like, it has not changed... I don't, I don't need the stage in the sense, but I mean, as you know, I could list a number of names um, who, for example, if you're booked to do twenty minutes, they'll do thirty-five, right? Or they will go and do like six open spots, six open mic nights, you know, every single week because they they need to be on a stage, they need that love from the audience or just that there's something missing in their life or missing in themselves that that means they need to have that constantly and that's never been my thing I've never needed to be on stage um but I I miss I'm missing it so badly man and, and oddly I was talking to a couple of friends during the week and one of them again had commented and I, I found it very strange when I still find it strange people say you know can you do what you do your job, I couldn't do what you do, and I suppose until you until you do it, whether it's you know public speaking or performing or stand up, you'll never you'll never really know what it's like, and I, and I don't know if it's just because it, it comes natural to me. I know it's what I'm meant to be doing. That I do find it easy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, the the idea that a civilian has or, or or a non-performer has, is that every night's a battle, you know, you're being heckled, it's a fight, and it's it's very rarely that, it's very rarely that, um, but on the nights when that happens, 
you've got to be able to deal with it and that's just part and parcel of effectively being I think a decent comic or being a club comic in the UK you've just got to be able to deal with that kind of stuff and I find that I find that easy I don't know if it's my size I don't know if it's my presence I don't know what it is but I find that easy to deal with and I don't necessarily I'm certainly not heckled anywhere near the number of times I know some people are again that might just because I'm fucking brilliant and you don't heckle people when you're laughing know what I mean but Oddly, to come back to the kind of first point about that kind of solitary confinement and, and seeking somewhere to kind of escape to, in a sense, I I find I find when I'm on when I'm on stage, especially when I'm doing my own shows, when I'm touring, you know, and you're on there for an hour and a half, maybe it's uh, it's it's oddly it's oddly. You feel very alone. Well, I feel very alone when I'm up there. I'm very conscious that I am alone. I'm very conscious that if anything happens or whatever happens within the next hour and a half, I am responsible for it and I have to deal with it. And and strangely, there's a comfort in that. For that hour and a half, I am not thinking about you know, other stuff that's going on in my life. I'm not thinking about problems that I may have. I'm not thinking about other things that are coming up or things that have happened in the past. I'm I'm simply focused on and here again that's that's probably the wrong use of language. I'm not even focused on it. I am simply I am present in that moment in time for an hour and a half where it is me on stage alone and nobody can get to me. And even if somebody tries to heckler it's still a, you know, there's still a, there's still a distance there between, I suppose, between real life and, and the performance side of it. And I think because I've been stuck at home for such a long time, and because I have, because there's so many things happening in the world that, you know, I have an opinion on and what I talk about, and I'm unable to talk about it. I think that's possibly what's what's kind of having that fire just to want to get back again. You know, I just I, I love it, man. I just I love I love performing. I love being on stage, and I know it's a mixture of that. Um, it's a mixture of not being able to do it, and it's a mixture of booking in dates for next year for the new tour for the new show, thinking about the new show, getting excited about doing new stuff. You know, finding ways to work it and build it up and get it ready for the for the tour in twenty twenty one, and then still as that excitement builds, being unable to go anywhere and try out some stuff, you know. Or, so it's an odd it's an odd time to be in, man. But I cannot I cannot wait to get back to gigging again. I really can't. Um, it's gonna be good, man. It's gonna be good. <sighs> Comedy, how I've missed you. <laughs> so I hope um, once this is all over, which I think is going to be sooner than we think, um, you will come out and you will you will support me as you have done um, up to this point, and you will do it with buying tickets and coming seeing the live show. Uh, I think it's going to be a good show, man. It's got a good tour. Started out as one thing, is very quickly changing into something else. 
because of the uh, the year that we're, we're experiencing that we're having. Um, oddly, it's kind of strange. It's kind of tying in nice. The the show. I'm not going to give away too much just now, but the show was initially uh, a look at uh, how we handle death. Our, um, our experience with death, the way we interact with it, the way we process it. Um, I believe the very morbid way in which we approach death in this country, uh, in contrast to, for example, some South American countries where it's a, it's a real real uh, celebration of life. Um, you know, so that, that initially was what the show was going to be about. And... Uh, Obviously, it's 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 had to change. I mean, there's there's no way I could do a show now, um, which will tour next year without bringing some kind of aspect into what's happened up until now, isn't it? So that will be, you know, that'll be a part of it at some point. But it'd be nice to be back out to clubs again, man, working stuff up. So yeah, nah, we'll see what happens. Um, but when those tour dates uh, drop, as the kids say. And make sure you get on board that and uh, and snap it up. Right, one thing that I wanted to uh, to talk about was I had I saw this article had came up. Um, I think I saw it on Twitter actually, and it is a coronavirus uh, survivor in Seattle, I believe has uh, left hospital with <laughs> I mean he's gone in he's gone into hospital with all COVID-19 thinking he's at death's door people dying ruin about him you know America one of the highest death rates in the country tens of thousands drop him deed hundreds of thousands even drop him deed this poor man's got it and he thinks it's light out and he survives and on his departure from the hospital he gets hit with a bill for $1.1 million. Let me just say that again. He survived. Survived! COVID-19. And on his departure from the hospital, you know, he gets hit with a bill for $1.1 million. Now, in the pictures that were uh, circulating, the, the, the nurses and doctors did a guard of honour. No fucking wonder! That's a payday. You're just cl- you're clapping it. That's effectively a check on wheels. That's what that is, right? It's not our good NHS. Eh, walking away for fucking ten pence and a bottle of coke. None of that nonsense. One point one million dollars and the cunts getting wheeled out and they're all applauding. Damn right, you're applauding. I'm like, get every fucker out here on your feet. One point one million dollars. What on earth did they do to the man? That meant he could run up a bill of $1.1 million. See, see if I... See if I went to hospital for any illness whatsoever and I get hit with a bill for $1.1 million, I'd be wanting heroin. I'd be wanting a week of heroin. In fact, I'd want to be able to walk into that hospital at any time go, remember me cunts? Fucking jag up. $1.1 million! So, let let me read some of this because I, I was, uh, as, with, as with everything we do in the show, um, I, I take little snippets that I hear 
and I, I discuss them as if, as if I'm some kind of expert in that field. It's the way modern life is, all right? So I know that it's 1.1 million on the bill. Um, the gentleman was called Floor, F-L-O-R, 70 years of age, uh, who came so close to death in the spring that a night shift nurse held a phone to his ear while his wife and kids said their final goodbyes. And recovering nicely these days at home in West Seattle, but he says his heart almost failed a second time. I bet it fucking did! When he got hit with the bill from his healthcare odyssey the other day, I opened it and said, holy bleep away, he went, holy fucking bastard country! The total tab for his bout with coronavirus was 1.1 million. The exact total was one million one hundred twenty-two thousand five hundred one dollar and four pence. What's the four pence? What's the four pence? You couldn't even just knock the four pence off it, could you? Eh? That—that's when you know. That's when you know you are dealing with a fucking cunt. When you get a bill like that, see if you're maybe going to like a garage, right? And it's like you know, father son kind of set up or a wee cafe or something, right? And your bill comes in and it's like twenty-four pound. 19 pence and it's all ha- it's happened to all of us right it's happened to me and i'm no some kind of fucking oracle that doesn't experience life like you guys we've all been in some kind of shop or some kind of situation and the bill will be something obscure right round pounds say 36 pounds and a couple of pence and the person serving you will go just give me the 36 just get just give me the 36 don't worry about the pennies eh it's easy for me, it's easy for you, that money's getting right in the pocket, we're cooking the books, like some kind of Ozark fucking cartel style, don't worry about the pennies, but if you get a bill, and it's a big bill, and then at the end of it it's got like, and 14 pence, and 71 pence, and they want that 71 pence, you are dealing with a fucking cunt, right there. In the healthcare industry in America, bunch of fucking cunts. Um, so the total tab was one point, just over one point one million dollars. Actually, one point two million, if I'm being honest. Um, all in one, uh, all in one bills. That's more like a book. Bu- H- sorry, hundred and eighty one pages. Hundred and eighty one pages. A <laughs> hundred and eighty one pages for his bill. Imagine standing, imagine standing, you know, you go to a nice fancy hotel or something like that and you check in and they say, Mr. Gibson, can we, can we put a, are you, a card, to put a card into the room? Can you just like any charges? Of course. Do you. you know, you get into the wallet and you go, you need to play that cool. In that situation, you need to play it cool, right? When you check in at a fancy hotel and they say, would you like us to put a card against the room for any, for any charges? And obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're getting watched, right? They're judging you. Okay, you don't you don't say no, right? Because you want to feel part of the system. Okay, your belly big bollocks, right? You you know, she knows. Okay, the the women that work behind those desks, I can't see else. They know you're scum. They know you're scum, right? They know you're going to go up to the room. You're going to look in that mini bar and you're like, for a bag of fucking nuts. They know that there's nothing going to be charged on this card, but you do the dance, man. You know, you do the dance. Would you like a, a card to charge things to the room? Would I like to charge things to the fucking room? Let me just check my cards here. So many cards, so many, so many cards. And you're playing it cool. But in your head, you're going, 
put one of these fuckers that's got an overdraft on it and what one is not going to bounce if I put it through the machine? And you hear the card, she scans it, and off you go on holiday. And you make it clear to anybody in your party, whether that be a wife, whether that be a girlfriend, whether that be children, don't any cunt touch anything in this fucking room. Right? We've all done that. Take something out of the bar, and you put it back in, and it's fucking chargey, because it's one of the fancy machines that detects when something's moved out. Don't touch a fucking thing. Imagine standing at checkout, you know? 181 page bill, 181 pages! Printing out the machine, you black in the name of fucking God. I remember once, going to a corporate gig in London many moons ago, before it was cancelled, and they put me up in a very nice hotel in Shepherd's Bush, which felt like quite a rough bit um, when I arrived, and then when I checked in the hotel, I went, in the name of God, what a fucking gaff. And um, one of the only times that I've had proper corporate money and proper, uh, proper corporate hospitality as well, because I, I remember checking in and straight away, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how they done it, right? I, I walked from the from the door, which had a doorman, right? Big fucking door, huge door. I like it. And uh, he went, uh, "Good afternoon, sir. Welcome to the Canary Island Scold Show." And as I'm walking across the foyer. To the, uh, you know, the the constantly else, the woman. She went, Mr. Gibson, welcome to the. And I went, how the fuck did this guy know who I'm on? That's money, right? That's money. That's the difference. That's when you know you're in. You're you're, you're mixing with the big wigs, okay? When you walk in somewhere, and they know who you are and what you're there for, right? It's none of this. Welcome to the travel in Stratford. None of that. Good afternoon, Mr. Gibson. Welcome to the... Whatever it was called. I went, all right, hen, I hate it. And I remember then, you know, trying to, try to kind of show myself as if to say, look, this isn't the first time I've stayed five-star, hen. I've been to Dubai, all right? Fucking relax, okay? And I says, do you need a card to charge the room? She says, Mr. Gibson, everything's been taken care of on the, on the corporate account. And I went, has it now? And uh, I did the gig. gig was very stressful, not going to lie. Very stressful. And uh, I came home to the hotel. And I, I I did what's known in the business as kicked the arse out of room service. Kicked the arse clean out it. When the wee guy came to the door with the first delivery, I says, my man, you may want to put a pair of fucking slippers on because you're going to be up and doing that lift all night, son. I'm working my way through this menu. We had steak, we had chips, we had fucking prosecco, eh? Might even have been cava. I don't know cocktails, everything. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I was doing all right uh, back then when we were working, you know. And I thought it's been a nice wee couple of days doing in London, getting all right money for the old copperette. And I thought, I'll take the hit on it, right? I'll take the hit on this. I'll have a good night. I'll blow it. And then I'll settle the bill. And then when I came downstairs, I remember going to get the bill and thinking to myself, this is going to be a heavy one here. But as long as it comes under what the fee for the gig was, I'm walking away after having a good weekend. And she said to me, your bill is zero. And I went, can it be? She says, everything's taken care of. I went, it can it be, man. 
I kicked the ass clean at it. And then that was a long two-week wait for that check to come out. <laughs> I thought, they're going to see how much I've spent on fucking lobster and they're going to cancel my bill. Thankfully, the check came in, but all right. Imagine 181 pages. 181 pages. I, I can remember standing in Tesco once. In fact, I lie. I lie, it was Asda. And it was uh, Christmas time, I think. And it wasn't... My missus hadn't been long in Scotland, right? And uh, we were still west at this point. We are still Glasgow. So it was... Uh, it's a shock to the system, right? If you if you come from even Manchester Metropolitan, right, and you move straight any, you know, deepest darkest Glasgow, it's a, it's a culture shock, right? And we're in Asda, and this boy in front of us, older guy, I'd say maybe late fifties, and he's putting the Christmas booze through, right? And it's just just cases of booze, cases of booze, beer, cider, cases of wine, bottles of spirits, just it's just a trolley full of booze, right? Which is one of the ones when you load it up, you think, hey, that'll get us through Christmas and New Year. And then you've tanned it all by fucking Christmas Eve. And I'll never, she will never forget the boy's reaction. The, the woman put it all through and then, I want to say it was like 180 quid, right? But say, just say the woman went, and that's 183 pound. He went, I'll be right. I'll <laughs> be right. Not even... Not even like a, a, a quiet shock. We've all done it in a supermarket, right? We've all done it in a supermarket where we play the game in our head, you go, 50 quid, it'll be 50 quid. And she goes, 74, 33. And you're like, what the fuck? But you just, you internalise it, right? Because you don't want to embarrass yourself. And then you scan it and you look at the fucking receipt and you're like, please, I've charged me five times for something so I can justify this. Now you fuck off. But no, this boy, man, he's obviously, he's wet end, you know? His missus has done all the food shopping and he's only got one job and his job is to get the booze in for the family and he's been given a strict budget. He's been given 150 cash and somehow he's miscalculated. I'll never forget it, man. He just went, that'll be right. Can he be? No way, can he be? <laughs> he's like, it is your fucking mad alky. You get a flatbed stacked with booze. And I thought, he's, he's going to have to just, you know. And he, he did he something unorthodox. He started putting booze back. I was like, this guy's gone rogue, man. He's half, he's not. Something's going to have to go back. Something's going to have to go back. <laughs> you can just, I'd love to have been inside his head because you can see him scanning the trolley of booze, you know. No no looking like, what's worth 30 quid that I can take out? Looking at it all going, what am I no going to drink? <laughs> That's it. That, that's that's the only thing he cares about. It's not like, take two cases of lager off there, that'll knock £30 off it. No, that doesn't even come in his head. He's scanning all the booze going, what will I no drink? Bacardi, tequila, get out of fuck. Even if the person he loves the most in the world drinks Bacardi and tequila. I mean, what a fucking combo that is. Doesn't even in his head. Get to fuck, I don't drink you, you can fuck off, that's enough for that. Go to Dunny's budget, paper cash off he went to imagine getting a fucking 
ear bashing when you up the road. Right, 181-page bill. Uh, the bill is technically an explanation of charges, and because Floor has insurance, including Medicare, he won't have to pay the vast majority of it. In fact, because he had COVID-19 and not a different disease, he might not have to pay anything. Well, what's the point then? What's the point? Uh, a quirk of the situation I'll get to in a minute, but for now... It's got him and his family and friends marvelling at the extreme expense and bizarre economics of American healthcare. Floor was in Swedish Medical Centre in Isaka. I don't even know what that is. COVID-19 for 62 days. Fucking hell, 62 days in hospital, man. So he knew the bill would be a doozy, according to the American press. He was unconscious for much of his stay, but once near the beginning, his wife, uh, Eliza del Rosario, Remembers him waking up and saying, you got to get me out of here, love. We can't afford this fucking bollocks. And then collapsed. Just the charge for his room and intensive care unit was billed at $9,736 per day. What the fuck? The room in his intensive care unit was billed at almost $10,000 per day. Due to the contagious nature of the virus, room was sealed and could only be entered by medical workers wearing plastic suits and headgear for 42 days. He was in he was in the isolation chamber for 42 days for a total charge of four hundred and eight nine hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Four hundred eight thousand nine hundred twelve dollars. Oh my God! He's in isolation for 42 days. And because it's a contagious disease, the total charge for his bed was $408,912. They are just picking this out their fucking ass. He was also on a mechanical ventilator for 29 days with the use of the machine billed at $2,835 per day for a total... Of $82,215. Holy fucking shit. So his bed. And the ventilator. That he's using to breathe. Is costing the best part. Of $500,000. Half a million. To be ill in bed. The next bit says that. Um. Almost a quarter, $250,000 uh, for the bill was on drugs, was drugs cost. <laughs> Imagine the fucking gear you could get for a quarter of a million dollars. And this guy was only in hospital for 62 days. <laughs> Imagine if you went down to the old Medellin cartel and went, lads, I've got COVID. <coughs> Much is quarter of a million going to get me? Was there not a rumour out at the start that fucking Kokana was uh, was a cure for COVID anyway? Eh? <laughs> Take a fucking big meaty bump and that will see you through it. Maybe this is what this guy should have done. Instead of getting to some American hospital, running up a bill of uh, $1.1 million, get yourself down to the old Medellin cartel. Eh? Where's Pablo? Where's the hippos? I've got quarter of a million here. Cash. I need some fucking ching-ching. I remember when my dad used to live in America 
his health was shocking. And I remember him telling me once he he had a, a funny turn, um, what is the is the Scottish term? Uh, I believe uh, the, the medical term might be small heart attack at work, and he was taken in an ambulance, and the ambulance cost him seventeen thousand dollars. Now that may have been the ambulance and the healthcare up to that point, but seventeen grand. Now, people bang on about the NHS in this country, right? And, and, and I don't think that people realise how much has to be done to try and protect it. You know, but not only protect it, strengthen it. If you were to look at the way things work in America, and here, here's, here's the other thing as well, see if this poor bastard was to turn up with fucking COVID. Hey, listen, as I'm sure, hey, who am I shouting it? As I'm sure thousands of people have had to experience in America during the last couple of months, you rock up there with fucking COVID or any other disease. You know, bullet wound, stabbed, anything, and you've no got health care. They'd fucking leave you to die in the car park. Don't give a shit, man. It's a business, baby. It's a fucking business. Quarter million on drugs. Uh, the list of charges indirectly tells the story of Floor's battle for the two days when his heart, kidneys, and lungs were all failing and he was near his death. I mean, you'd be pretty near death at that point, hen. The bill runs for 20 pages and nearly totals $100,000 as doctors were throwing everything at me they could think of. In all, there are nearly 3,000 itemised charges, about 50 per day. Usually hospitals get paid only a portion of the amount they bill as most have negotiated discounts with insurance companies. The charges don't include the two weeks of recuperating he did in a rehab facility. Going through all floors, said he was surprised at his own reaction, which was guilt. Now, there's a fucking interesting thing. The man has become ill from a global pandemic. I, I imagine no... I don't think for a minute he's putting himself in danger. I don't imagine he was... No, I could be wrong. I don't know the man, right? But I'm just guessing. I don't think he's out fucking coughing in people, licking lampposts, rolling about the street, Right? I imagine he's contracted the disease the way, you know, the majority of people have. Through, through you know, bad luck, whatever you want to call it, no fault of his own. He's then gone into hospital, place you should go when you're sick, to be looked after. They've then hit him with a bill over a million dollars. And the feeling he has is guilt. Not joy, not... Not elation about surviving this disease. Not even even being thankful. You know, as I'm sure he is. But the, the feeling he has, in his own words, his his reaction was a feeling of guilt at the money's been spent. Now, we've read there, right, that hospitals have got this agreement so they're not even going to get all the money back. Even how much of this is charged? You know, how much of it is charged? It's just all bullshit. It's just numbers. It's nonsense. It's a fucking cartel, is what it is. Pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies. It's a fucking cartel. Make up the money. Print what you want. Make poor fuckers like feel guilty. How many people have to make the choice in America when they are truly ill never to consult a doctor, never to go to hospital, never seek medical attention because they simply can't afford it? How many people... Also, go to a doctor, go to a hospital, are diagnosed with a condition, with an illness, with a disease, given medication to take from it, and then when they go to get the medication, can he afford to fucking buy it? 
How often does that happen? You know, we, we I do not think we appreciate how lucky we are to have something like the NHS in this country. I really don't. It saved my life. The NHS saved my life. You know? I was lying in an operating theatre seven and a half hours as they went to work on me. The NHS saved my life. What, what would that have cost? What would, what would open brain surgery have cost in America? What would my bill have been? To have been in hospital two and a half weeks. Two days in ICU. Have your skull drilled open. One of the, one of the best brain surgeons in the country. Go to work. To fix you. To fix an aneurysm and a hemorrhage. What would that have cost me? Maybe we'd have got some fucking heroin out it, eh? I feel sorry for the man, man. I feel sorry for him. It says, I feel I feel guilty about surviving. There's a sense of why me, why did I deserve all this? Looking at the incredible cost of it all definitely adds to that survivor's guilt. Fucking shocking, man. Unbelievable. The insurance industry has estimated treatment costs for COVID-19 could top $500 billion. However, Congress is being asked to step up with more money. $500 billion. Again, made up figures. You know, made up figures. And I don't know enough about the economy. I don't know enough about the American uh, medical system. I don't understand it, but a bed... A physical bed does not cost almost $10,000 a day. It just doesn't. It just does not cost that. Alright? The bed physically exists. The bed has been bought and paid for at some point. Once that money has been recouped for the charge of the bed in the first place, the bed does not cost $10,000 a day. Okay? It just doesn't. Even if you want to bill it all individually, it's cleaned. You know, the electricity, fucking make the bed move. People who are involved in it, it does not cost that. It just doesn't. It's it's even, it's like, I was going to say, it's like housing in this country, you know. It, it blows my mind sometimes when I look at houses that people have. And, and, and the house could be built in you know, early 1900s, it could have been built even in the 50s. And somebody's just moved in and just bought it new. You know, and they've, they've got a mortgage, 300 grand, to buy this house. Beautiful, detached, bit of land, built in the 50s. 300,000. And they're maybe the eighth family that's been in there. And over the lifespan of that house been built, Brick by brick, it's probably been bought and paid for four times over, five times over, six, seven, ten times over. Bought and paid for. Something doesn't add up, man. Something doesn't add up. But I imagine someone who's far more educated than I would be able to discuss these things. Since we are on the uh, the topic of, of money, one thing that has been brought up um, 
with the Black Lives Matter protests and, and the movement, um, is the is the discussion around? I don't know if it's a discussion yet, but the 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 concept, the idea of defunding the police, and I I, it's one of those things where I don't think it is as crazy an idea um, as as some people may first think. Now, everything that has that is happening in the world that has happened over the last two or three weeks. It's certainly it's divisive um, within the UK um, and and more so across across the world. Certainly within America. When when I first heard the idea of uh, defunding the police, and I think it was around the Minneapolis police force where the the incident with George Floyd happened, or the, or the murder of George Floyd, I. I'm I'm trying to hold a kind of balanced viewpoint on it. Or I, I've I've got very strong uh, beliefs on or, or ideas or, or or thinking on the police and and how they should work and how they should operate. And I don't know if defunding the police is a bad idea. And hear me out. I I think when people say things like that, there is an idea that it's going to be anarchy in the streets. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be fucking chaos, man. There's going to be any police about, and they're going to be out setting fires and killing each other. And that's, that's never, one, that would never happen. And two, no one's suggesting that for a moment. But the, the money that is spent on the the police force in the UK, right? Let's just, let's just, let's just look at that now. It's the budget for the UK police. Police funding in England and Wales is 12.3 billion. 12.3 billion is the the budget for funding the police in England and Wales. Right? 12.3 billion. Now, let's look at what is the budget on mental health. NHS in England planned to spend £12.2 billion on mental health in 2018-2019. So, roughly, close to spending about the same on mental health as we are spending on the police force in England and Wales. Scotland will obviously be um, a very a different figure for Scotland police. Apologies for this as I'm talking here. Um... Annual budget for the Scottish Police one point fucking hell, one point zero six five billion. Um, so I mean again, you can you can see from the from the size of the police force in the area that they have to police in Scotland to England. If you look at defunding aspects of the police force and putting those funds into social care, into social work, into mental health into communities I I don't know how that would impact day to day lives I personally think it can only be a good thing and I I may be wrong in that but that is just the feeling that I have 
I think this this idea that if there wasn't an element of the police force there, that somehow society as we know it would crumble and disappear. That's a movie, right? That's a Hollywood movie. That's the purge, okay? That's no real life. We have come through three months of lockdown in which I imagine many of us thought there would be fucking carnage on the streets and there has been none there's been nothing Un- until the, the recent Stone Island days out th- there's been nothing so the idea of defunding the police is something that I think possibly has to be at least considered and maybe investigated further I think that from maybe you know, the, an inspector level or, or above, or someone who's involved in serious crimes, you're going to still need detectives, right? You're going to still need that aspect of it. But how how much money is invested in boots on the ground in the community? We talk about police numbers being increased or or asking for police numbers to be increased. Instead of looking at why why are they need to be increased? Because let's be honest, it's not all it's not for every area within a city. It's particular areas. Particular areas in every city will have a need or a desire for more police. More boots on the ground, if you want to call it that. More bobbies on the beat. So what is it within these particular areas that is causing crime rates? What is it within these particular areas where there is a demand for more police presence? What is fueling that demand? Surely that is what we have to start thinking about. Surely that has to be what the discussion is. And if you can take some money from that 12.3 billion pot and invest it in those areas that can hopefully improve those parts of towns and cities so there isn't a demand in police... Surely that cannot be a bad thing. Now the other aspect, and I think that the thing that a lot of people get angry about is that the polis, it's like the fucking Catholic church, man. You know? Anybody in the polis fucks up, it's swept under the carpet. Somebody in the fucking Catholic church fucks up, it's swept under the Vatican carpet. That's what it's like. They look after their own. And that's the problem that a lot of us have. That's where that distrust comes from. We, we've all been in a situation with the police. The way they talk, the way they interact. It's, it's, an, it's an instant... It's an instant defence thing on your part. You're, you're constantly on your back here going, where the fuck is this going to go? And, and I can't even begin to imagine what that must be like if you're a young black man or an old black guy. Even based on the interactions that I've had with the fucking police. I can't even begin to imagine what that must be like. The idea that police across the world can commit crime themselves and have nothing done. Answer to no one, a law to their own, is the thing that is alarming. And it is the thing that is at the forefront of people's thinking now that is making us realise there needs to be an alternative here. 
there needs to be an alternative. Now, defunding the police, moving that money somewhere else in the public purse, I don't know. I don't think that's a bad thing to consider. But I think if you are looking at the police themselves, I have to I believe there has to be some kind of severe restructuring within the police and how they themselves are policed. This idea that you can retire from the police force, right? Let's let's look at this a minute. Average age of the uh, the normal age, sorry, right now I'm looking at the retirement age of police officers, right? And it's saying here that the average age of retirement from the police force is 55. 55. That could be 15 years sooner than most of us will have to retire used to be 65 you'll be lucky if you can retire at 65 now you'll be working well to your 70 now some of you may choose to work until your 70 but that's not a discussion that's not a discussion the discussion is that you 65 was retirement age and you will now have to work into your 70s whereas a police officer 55 done with a meaty pension a meaty pension Regardless of what they have done within that career, 55, you're out with a golden handshake. The Rolex watch and the golden handshake. For the, I mean, for the love of God, the four fucking cowards, scum that murdered George Floyd. I would saw an article during the week that, that there's still a chance that they fuckers will be able to claim their pension. What is going on, man? What is going on with the police force across the world, and especially in the UK. It's it's insane, man. I think that it would be a good conversation to have to look at the restructuring of, of finances within the UK. I really do. I think that it feels as if the world needs a change, not only with regards to global racism, but also just the way in which we live our lives, the way in which we interact with each other, the way in which we go about our days, because the status quo isn't working anymore. You know, I'm, I live in one of the most affluent, if not the most affluent city in Scotland. I live in Edinburgh. I, I live in Leith. I like Leith because it's a bit arty. It's a wee bit hipstery. I can get a nice coffee, but I'm, I've got scum around me, you know? And I, and I call them scum with a love in my heart, it keeps you honest, it keeps you grounded, you know, decent people, there's, a, there's a, bit of, a bit of vibe, but there's still crime, there's still poverty, why, there was an article printed a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago now, in the, the Edinburgh Evening News, and it's the 10 richest people that live in Edinburgh, not one of them's under 500 million in the bank, three billionaires, the rest of them 750, 800 million in the bank, but yet we're still in a city with vast poverty, unemployment, crime, drugs. You're never going to eradicate all that, understand, but surely there needs to be some kind of discussion as to, as to what we tackle and what we do things differently because it's no working anymore, you know? Things just aren't working anymore. It'd be interesting to see 
what happens with the whole defund the defund the police situation there's an article here um it says the as to as to what the actual meaning of defund the police is um it's an american slogan which supports uh divesting funds from the police department and reallocating them to non-police forms of public safety such as social services and other community resources activists who use the phrase um, do so with varying intentions some seek modest reductions while others argue full defunding as a step toward the uh, abolition of contemporary police services so there you go i'm not saying get rid of the polish man Get the Polish, bring in the army. What are they fucking up to? Remember the start of this? There's tanks in Inverness. Where's the fuck? I was promised tanks. Where's the tanks? I've not seen one tank in this whole fucking lockdown. Where's the tanks, man? Where's the fucking tanks? If ever there was a time to bring in the tanks, it would have been at the weekend. Huh? With the fucking Stone Island. Lads, lads, lads. Huh? Fathers for Justice, Dad's Day out. What a shower of fucking shite that was. Again, also, demonstrating the way in which the police conduct themselves regarding a, a difference of, of colour and crowd. Well, we've all watched the, the footage of the, the Black Lives Matter protests. And protests they were. Yes, there were some people there to cause a scrimmage. I've never seen Polis so happy to go in heavy-handed with a shield and a baton in my fucking life. And then you got a bunch of skinheads doing taps off, couple of cans of steel. We're here to protect fucking Churchill. Where's the Polis heavy-handed with the batons then? I'd have fucking rounded up every one of these fuckers in Trafalgar Square and I just get the water cannons in and fucking blasted the shit out the cunts. That's what I'd have done. And I'm telling you right now, see if you are one of these fuck nuggets, and you are a fuck nugget, who for, for one second is on the side of these people who were out causing havoc or giving up, hey, fucking Churchill, we'd all be speaking German by now. Fucking get in the sea, you cunt. I don't have time. I don't, you know, I don't even have the energy for these people anymore. And I actually did think to myself, and, I, and I, I feel stupid for fucking thinking it. After everything that happened in London, I thought, do you know what? We've got away with this. Because I tell you right now, there's some fucking wallopers up in Scotland as well. And I thought to myself, it's the fucking dad's day out, the lad's on tour, it's all the ball bags who would go over to Marseille and try and kick off with football casuals until the Russians turn up, then they shite themselves. Because they don't fuck about, they'll stab you in the heart and fucking eat your guts, you fat cunt. Right, that's what I thought it was. They only get any travel, the football's been shut down, I can't get to the fucking pub and I can't get to the football, I'm going to fucking march on Churchill's statue. And then lo and behold, the fucking Rangers Brigade turn up at George Square. Like a shower of inbred fucking idiots. Huh? Marching through George Square. Stone Island. Burberry going, you know what? Fucking get to fuck, man. Everybody's just got to get a fucking grip of themselves. I've got no time for this anymore. I really, I'm done with it. 
this needs to be 2020 needs to be the year for change right see everything that we're unhappy with we need to get it on the table right we need to show our cards in 2020 and then we deal with it right and then from the first of january 2021 shut your mouth and move on right and we don't deal with these people anymore see all this nonsense with glasgow having the orange walks it's, it's done it's done right and see anybody that goes we've got a right to shut up right we're fucking grown men and women shut the fuck up i'm done with this it's there has to be a change and it's got to be an aggressive change it can't be well listen this is what we're going to do right we're going to do that and we're going to do this but you know they they have they, they need to do these wee things so how can we include them in it no you just, a cunt's a cunt right and it's time people know that say if you're a cunt you need to know you're a cunt and that's it and if you're one of these assholes that was in george square standing with your fucking vintage rangers shirt and your union jack you're a fucking cunt all right and we've not got a place for you anymore and we move on and i'm going to stop talking now because i'm getting myself angry <laughs> I actually started this podcast before I recorded. I've got my wee notes. I've been ready to go. And the last thing I said before hitting record was, try and make this a funny one. <laughs> try and make this a funny one. Huh? It's a bit of, it's a bit as funny as getting a bill for $1.1 million. Am I right, Gibbo? Try and make it a funny one. I apologise, team. I failed you yet again. I failed you here again. Yeah, let's move on, man. Let's move on. Right, somebody had asked, I'd asked for some questions um, for, the, for the podcast, which I'm, I'm not going to get around to um, because we're an hour in, you know, and uh, it's roasting in here. But someone had commented that they are missing the uh, Metro News stories. Now, if you're new to the podcast, um, in the early days, in the high day, we, I would uh, read some news stories from the wonderful publication, The Metro. Um, everyone in the UK, um, and I know there are some people who are listening abroad, you may not be familiar with what The Metro is. It's a free newspaper that appears on buses, trains, uh, that kind of thing, and it, it's free for a reason. Um, the printed version is basically adverts, and the online publications and the stuff that even goes in the paper is some of the highest class of journalism you are likely to ever read during a global pandemic when the world's on fire and we're all going to die, all right? So um, what I do is I, I read a couple of the news stories that, that, that tickle me. Um, simply by the headlines, I don't know what the stories are. We read them together and as they unfold, um, my anger levels uh, normally increase. And someone did ask for the Metro uh, to come back. So we're going to read some stories from the Metro. Now, um, you can go to the metro.co.uk and check these out. And straight away, there's some absolute classics. I mean, the very first story that I'm seeing on there, uh, and I'll just read the headline, uh, because the headline pretty much sums this country. This country is... This country's fucked, man. This country's fucked. You, you think when we talk about America... There's almost 400 million people live in America. And we... I mean, how how are you meant to get that right when we can't even have a unified 
like just basic level of decency and intelligence in our own country. So I'll just read this. Man with horse and cart furious after being refused service at KFC drive-thru. I mean, that is the that's the type of quality journalism we're dealing with. Jen Mills, <coughs> excuse me, Jen Mills uh, writes this. Uh, a name that's, that's one of the newer names to us on the uh, on the Metro Breakdown. Um, a traveller. Well, I mean, has that did that surprise any of us? Uh, a traveller says he was left humiliated. A traveller, humiliated. If if you are now the gentleman, his name is Ian Bell, fifty five years of age. If you are a fifty five year old traveller, and the only thing that has humiliated you in your life is being knocked back by your horse and cart at KFC, you're doing well, Ian. A traveller says he was left humiliated after KFC refused to serve him at a drive-thru while he was riding a horse and cart. How is this news? My anger level was kind of cold this. How is this fucking news? People are being murdered by the police. There are groups of right-wing Nazis on the street and these fucking idiots have got a, a guy in a horse and a cart going through a KFC there is people kids have been in this for years Ian, the traveller kids have been rocking, I've done it, I've cycled as a wee guy cycled up to Burger King on my bike, did the fucking speak went round the council like, you're on a bike mate, you need to come in with, so why did you think in a fucking horse and cart Ian Bell, 55, made it as far as the kiosk window. That's when you, that's when you get to Ian. Last week, uh, only for a manager to come out and say he would have to leave for the health and safety of the other customers. Obviously! It's a fucking great big Clydesdale horse, you dick! And how, how did they get... How did they get a horse and cart ruin the fucking... In the name of God. He says he doesn't understand as his horse, John John... The horse is called John John. Uh, is as good as gold. The horse is as good as gold. The horse is as good as gold. Well, in that case, fucking park the car up and bring the fucking horses. Do you know? Understand me. It doesn't matter if your horse is the fucking king of horses. John John John's a fucking cracking horse. He he wouldn't he wouldn't upset any cunt. Wouldn't he say Bertegus? I don't understand how I can't bring my horse and cart. You don't understand how you can't bring a horse and cart through a drive through No, John, John, John's a good horse. Photos show Ian and John John, the horse, a seven-year-old Irish cob, pitched up outside the KFC restaurant in Carlisle, Cumbria. Ian said, I'd queued up behind some cars and was about to order a bargain bucket when all of a sudden this manager came out and said, You're not allowed through. I says, is it because I'm a traveller? He went, no, because you're a fucking horse, you idiot! I couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> oh, I hate people, man. I'd done nothing wrong. John Joe was behaving himself. It was quiet as a lamb. But where's the lamb? Where's he in? He's a fucking great big bastard horse. He's a very well-behaved horse. And then they've got a picture of him cuddling the horse. Get to fuck. 
Sure. I mean, Ian, do you really want to be drawing attention to yourself during this difficult time? You know? See if it was me. See if I was one of the elders in a campsite. No, I've never been a traveller. I've never lived in a campsite. You know, I don't know how the hierarchy works. But if I was sitting down to enjoy my free newspaper and I opened up and there's a picture of Ian and John John in the paper, I'd be kicking Ian's cunt in. Uh, Ian goes on to say, in the end, I had to go to McDonald's for a Big Mac. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, John John. No chicken today. Off to McDonald's we go. No one there battered an eyelid. Well, I mean, that's raising more questions about McDonald's, Ian, than it is fucking KFC's policy on allowing horses to come through. They didn't say anything at all. They just served me my food. I imagine, Ian, if I'm honest with you, a, a traveller uh, coming through a McDonald's drive through in a horse and cart is probably the least mental thing that that person had seen that hour. Alright? So maybe next time, if the horse is that well behaved, just part the horse up. You know? Part the horse up and say, John, John, I'm nipping in for a bargain bucket. When? Boneless feast for one. No worries, my man. Sprite, okie dokie. Part the horse up. You know? Or you, you don't need to contact the paper. Because it's, it's no real news. It's no real news, Ian. Dad of one, Ian. Unlucky. Unlucky. Ian's offspring. Hope social services are involved. I think my treatment from KFC has been downright disgusting and discriminatory against people who use horse and carts. Ian, uh, fuck off. Okay? Fuck off. That's all I've got to say in that. The horse and cart is a common way to get around. No, it is, Ian. Uh, because we're on a Dickens novel. Right? In KFC. Okay? They've got napkins, wet wipes, straws. It's civilised. Yes, it's not the wimpy. It doesn't come on a fucking plate. But get a fucking grip, Ian. The fast food franchise have spoken out in defence of the manager's decision to do that. I mean, imagine having it. Can you imagine being working in the press department for KFC? Everything that's going on in the world. And you've now got to respond to a fucking traveller getting a knockback because he came through in a horse and cart. The fast food franchise has spoken in defence of the manager's decision, obviously, to deny Ian and John John. We're, we're just calling the horse John John now. We're just, we're just forgetting the fact it's a horse and we're calling him John John. Um, denied them services, insisting safety of the guests is really important, obviously. A KFC spokesman said, uh, oh. <laughs> A KFC spokesman said, Hold your horses, Carlisle. I hope that's true. What are this, Obama? We're not looking to stir up trouble. And we're sorry for Ian and John John's experience, but the safety of our guests is really important, so we can't allow horse-drawn vehicles into our drive throughs I hope that is real. I hope the KFC spokesman, when asked by a fucking journalist from the Metro, I would like to get your comment on Ian and John John being knocked back. Did something happen? Was there a fight or a scrimmage? No, John John's a horse. <laughs> uh, yes, here's my statement. Hold your horses, Carlisle. We don't want to stir up trouble. Stir up. Stir ups. Okay. And then it's just various pictures of uh, uh, Ian. Um, 
standing next to KFC. Ian lives alone, uh, good, in the seaside town of Slough, and John John resides in a nearby field. The pair often travel 23 miles to Carlisle. 23 miles to Carlisle, inside a cart and horse box, before setting up the carriage and trotting around the streets. Why, Ian? Why? Why? Ian said, going around the horse and carriage is something I like to do. Uh, it's also good training for John John. What's he training for? What's he training for? What training requires John John to to ride around to 46 miles and then go through a KFC drive through What is he training for, Ian? The 55-year-old who used to milk cows in a dairy farm is currently out of work um, after fracturing his pelvis in three places where he was flung from another horse last year. <laughs> she just stuck to Jojo, uh, John John Ian, whatever the fucking thing's name is. Um, he said John John has helped his recovery. He'll often run off to the co-op with Scott Man to pick up a pint of milk. Uh, John added, I-, I love John John. You mean Ian? Because John can't speak. Um, I-, I love John John. He's like a member of the family in the same way some people love their cats and dogs. Yes, I get it. I've got a dog. He's my boy. So Wayne. But I'm not going to strap a fucking go-kart to his back and get me, drag me through a KFC. And here's the other thing, Ian. See if I somehow manage to get the dog to drag me through like a fucking Jamaican bobsled team. I wouldn't expect to be served in a fucking drive through Fucking hell. Ian goes on to say, if it wasn't for John John, I don't know where I would be today. He'd be in McDonald's. And you would have been in the paper. This is why I don't read Metro News anymore, because it just pisses me off how fucking stupid people are. Right, one more. Um, And it's a classic. Headline reads, Doctor removes mobile phone charger from man's bladder. It is a tale as old as time. Eh? Since since man became conscious that his arsehole existed, man has been putting things up his bum that he shouldn't do. I don't know why, you know. I'm not saying you shouldn't have put things up your bum. Fucking, hey, try it. We're in lockdown, you know. You might like it. And there's nothing wrong with that, all right. But just be aware of what you're putting up your ass, okay. Say to yourself, as the, as the design, the, the ergonomics of this vessel likely to come out, as easy it goes in. And if the answer's no, don't stick up your ass. Things not to put up your bum. Light bulbs. A flask. A fucking charger. Don't put up your bum. Alright? Things that you can put up your bum. A finger. A sex toy. A bottle of tomato sauce. Something that's tapered. <laughs> uh, Jen Mills again. Fuck me. Jen's hot, man. Jen is hot for journalistic fucking content uh, doctor has removed a two foot in the name of god a two foot phone charger from inside a man's bladder you dirty cunt the patient 30 should have known better went to the doctors about complaining of abdominal pain obviously obviously is it sore if I touch here Mr Gibson it's fucking killing me doctor can you think of what it can be? Um, oh, I mean, if 
I've not been eating very well recently. Oh, and I put a two-foot charger in my fucking bladder! It is unclear how the lead came to get in his bladder. Doctors believe it was swallowed or inserted for sexual gratification. Now, what's happened here, team, is this has taken a sharp left turn because as i said at the start i read these stories with you so i don't know what the stories are now i have assumed that this has been an old school a classic as i said tale as old as time where a man has been bored at home and he's put something up his ass but what has happened here is this fucking renegade has fed a charging cable doing his japsai What has happened to us as a society that men are placing things down their jab size? What's going on? Now again, hey, I'm not judging anybody, right? I know I know it's a thing. I don't know what, what its technical name is, but putting stuff in your jab size, it might be wonderful, okay? It's no, it's no for me at this stage in my life. But again, I would suggest, you know, you, you don't go putting a two foot long fucking phone charging cable to your jab side. Right? How, how terrifying must that have been when the, when the last bit of cable just sucked into his fucking knob like the charger on a Henry Hoover? Eh? He's maybe pulling it in and out, going, oh, this is fucking cracking. What a fair night out this is. And he just sucked it in. He went, oh, no. No, I've done it. The missus does it all the time. I mean, she just to put cables in my wallet. What I mean is, sometimes when she washes her hoodies, uh, one bit of the drawstring has disappeared inside, and she'll bring the hoodie to me and go, can you fix your string? Because I'm quite good at uh, feed and grab. Feed and grab, right? And then eventually, you work it, and you get both ends out. Imagine what... I mean, his, his knob, his bobby has sucked in the cable. The panic. The panic in your fucking, in your soul. Right in the pit of your stomach, you're going, in the name of fucking God, man, it sucked it in. <laughs> Would Jenkins try to kind of squeeze and feed it back out again? Oh, I'm getting a pain in my bollocks even thinking about this. I'll read on. The man unnamed for obvious reasons, said to have a history of accidental ingestion of headphones. I beg your pardon? I'll read that again. The man said to have a history of accidental ingestion of headphones can be seen with the curled lead inside his bladder. I mean, how many times you need to accidentally swallow headphones for you to have a history of it? That's more than two. That's more than two. One's an accident. Two, you're the unluckiest man of the world. Three, you got history. You imagine that guy being brought in? You're not going to believe who's back, Doctor. It's fucking Beats. It's Doctor Dre. Another one. No, this time's worse. Somehow he's managed to feed a charging cable inside his jabsack. You're joking. He was given a two-day course of laxatives in a bid to elevate the stomach pain before doctors performed a small incision into his gastro... 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 
I'm not good with these words. Gastrointestinal tract. He was given two day course of laxatives and a bid to elevate the stomach pain before doctors performed a small incision into his gastrointestinal tract. What is, is that your gooch? What is that? His boss. Uh, doctors then discovered 61 centimetres of lead and decided to perform surgery to remove it, obviously, because fuck dragging that back out. There's a picture, there's a picture of the doctor holding a lead, man, you dirty bastards. Five medics, five medics, performed a 45-minute surgery to move the lead at Guwahati Hospital, North India, last Sunday. A doctor who admitted he had not seen anything of the sort in his 25-year career said, we gave him laxatives for two days as we did not want to do surgery immediately. The patient's stool was examined but nothing came out. <laughs> we decided to do a small incision and check the gastrointestinal tract. He might have been uncomfortable while telling us the truth, which led to us searching into the tract. Though I'm not exactly sure about his mental health, some people do things for sexual gratification, but this man took things a little too far. Not my words. The words of a medical professional. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Well, there you go. Another fine example of uh, finger-in-the-pulse journalism from across the world. Jen Mills hitting us with two corkers. Uh, a travelling man denied his horse and cart at KFC. And a hoarding Indian uh, putting two foot of cable down his jab side. God bless the Metro. God bless the Metro. Right, team. That's us. Another episode done. Um, more of a rambler. More of a ranter. Again, I generally... I, and now, listen... Last week, the Patreon episode about now, uh, a single slice of cheese was the title of it. Um, thank you to everybody who has become a patron, a Patreone, who has signed up to Patreon. Um, you've no idea what it means to me. It's a, it's a huge help to try and get me through this time. Um, that last episode about now on Patreon was a, was a belt up. It was a good one. It was back to kind of old form. It was a wee laughy and jokey one. And I came on here with the intentions of making this a, a light-hearted one. But we've we've been dragged back into the the realms of real life and reality. So, you know what what am I saying? I'm just I'm saying hey, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you do questions or topics, please do get in touch with me. And if you want to support the show, you can do so in a number of ways. The best way to do it, obviously, is become a Patreon, become a patron, join the Battlefield Army. Now you do that by either going to my website and following the links, or go to Patreon www.patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. That's P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. You can sign up for as little as $5. That will give you access to all of the podcasts that go out. That's eight episodes a month, including comedy albums, special recordings, The Officer's Mess, which I have three out just now, 
there's more lined up for the first series. There's going to be six episodes in the first series and a whole load of things um, that will be happening soon. You Also, you can get access to uh, free tickets for gigs when they're back up and running. And it's just a great way to support the show and to support me. If you can do that, please do. So go to Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Five dollars. What's that? It's, not, it's, not, it's less than the price of a coffee. Less than the price of a fancy coffee. Less than the price of a pint a month. And you get eight episodes plus a whole shit ton of goodies. So please do that if you can. Now, if you can't, and I know some of you are in as a financial difficult position as I am, please help support the show in other ways uh, by sharing it on your social media pages, sharing it with friends and family, and helping the numbers grow. If you don't already, subscribe on whatever channel or however platform you use to get your podcast. And please also subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the wee bell so you can get notifications when video drops. Um, and yeah, all the podcast episodes go up on there as well. And uh, it's it's a good way to help grow the show. I don't know what I'm saying, I don't know what I did, but hey, become a Patreon. It's, it's the fucking, it's the way to go, man. And as the numbers grow, we'll, we'll be doing some some uh, good things on for patrons only as well. We'll be doing some uh, live broadcasts, live shows to Patreons and uh, some live uh, physical gigs once this is all back up and running for, for Patreons only. So, again, join the Patreon, man. Join the Patreon. It's the way to do it. Right, episode 33 in the bag. Thank you as always for listening. Um, take care. Look after yourself. Wash your hands and your arsehole. Hopefully when we speak again next week, um, we'll have some, some more stuff to talk about and some more news. But get in touch, give me your questions, give me your topics, enjoy the football. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday night, I do the quiz. The quiz is still running during lockdown, 8.30 every Wednesday on Facebook. Come and join me. Forget about the Premiership. Come and hang out with me. Um, that's us. Right, as always, team, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you all. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Hopefully, I will see you in a battlefield soon. Onwards. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.